and welcome to Strengthening the Soul of Your Leadership Podcast. My name is Ruth Haley Barton, and I'm founder of the Transforming Center, and I'm here with Steve Weens, Senior Pastor of Genesis Covenant Church in St. Louis Park, Minnesota. Steve is also a Transforming Community alumni, which means we spend a lot of time laughing, growing, and being transformed in the presence of Christ in community with other leaders. Everybody, welcome to Episode 8. This one's called From Isolation to Discernment in Community. So, Ruth, we're going to talk about the reality that the old cliche is really kind of true, Mm -hmm. that it really is lonely at the top. Yeah. But there's different kinds of loneliness. There's the loneliness when everyone's against you. That's what we talked about in the last episode. Mm -hmm. And the way to move through that is intercession. Mm -hmm. And then in this episode, we're going to talk about the loneliness when you feel like you're carrying the burden alone. Yes. Mm -hmm. And that's a heavy weight. Yeah. Uh, But there's a way through that Mm -hmm. one, too. Yeah. In the next episode, we'll talk about the loneliness of when you feel like God is against Mm -hmm. you. So we're going to end strong. Um, So... So back to Moses, how did he experience this kind of loneliness, and what happened? Well, Moses had taken lots of hits in his life as a leader, but there's a time in Numbers 11 where the people are complaining once again, but there are some real rabble-rousers among them who start to whip all the people up into a, a frenzy of rage against Moses. And Moses kind of comes to the end of himself. And this time he doesn't need anybody to point it out. He knows it. He knows he has come to the end. That the cumulative effect of leading this great crowd of people has been taking its toll. Um, The people are now numbering about 600,000. And that's probably more of a group than any of the rest of us are going to be leading, right? So Moses' leadership pressure is, is fairly great. And so they're starting to complain. And finally, Moses just has had it up to here and he can't take anymore. And... So they're standing around weeping and complaining about lack of water and lack of food. And Moses actually marches into God's presence to tell him how hard it's gotten and that he just cannot go on this way. Um, So he blusters at God and accuses God of giving him a job that's way too much. And then he says, I cannot do this anymore. I can't carry these people alone anymore. It's too heavy for me. If this is how it's going to be, then just kill me. You know, that's always a really good extreme statement that a Christian leader gets to. You know, Elijah got here too. You know, just take my life. I can't deal with this anymore. But it's also a moment of really giving up control too and being very vulnerable in God's presence. And I think that it's Moses' ability to be honest about how desolate he's become that actually opens up a space for encounter with God. And so at this point, God actually has an idea for Moses, and he actually talks about the fact that this would be a good time for Moses to start to share the leadership with other leaders. And God does this amazing thing for Moses and says, I will take your spirit and I will share it with 70 other leaders, and then you can share the burden of leadership rather than carrying it all by yourself. So I love that because God is so tender and gentle with Moses and really comes up with a great idea. Because Moses is now really in the throes of another great paradox of leadership, and that is in leadership, we're often surrounded by people, but at the same time, very, very lonely. Yeah, I mean, I've experienced that. You know, you're just so lonely in the midst of the crowds of people that you're a part of, you know? Um, And I think that is truly where Moses is at at this point. And God meets him so beautifully with this idea 
about sharing the burden of leadership with the 70 elders and that that Moses was going to get to choose them. They were going to come to the mountain and they were going to gather together. And God says, I will come down and I will talk with you there. And I will take some of the spirit that is on you and put it on them. And they shall bear the burden of the people along with you so that you will not bear it all by yourself. This is our God, Steve. This is the God that we serve, is that he cares about us so much that he meets us in these moments when we think we have Mm. absolutely come to the end. Okay, so when God brings us leaders to share the burden together, what does that look like? Yeah. Like, what's what do we do next? Mm-hmm. Well, there's I think there's this invitation to a corporate practice that we would call corporate leadership discernment or communal leadership discernment, where we realize that now we have a group of spiritual partners, spiritual companions, people who are leading along with us, and that not only are there private personal disciplines that we can engage in as a leader, but now there are disciplines that we can engage in as we're together as leaders that will help us to open to the gift of discernment. And it's interesting because in our culture, we highly value teamwork, actually. And, you know, a good team, a team that's able to really work well together is a pretty stunning thing. So I've mentioned in an earlier podcast that I lived in Chicago and still do live in Chicago, but I lived through that time where the Chicago Bulls were at their heyday and they were at their height and they had Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen and Dennis Rodman, this really unusual group of people, huge talent coached by Phil Jackson, who had some very interesting ideas about leadership and actually had quite a spirituality about the way he was leading. And for those of us who lived here, Watching the Bulls play was a pretty amazing thing because, you know, they had this triangle formation that Phil Jackson brought to them. And um, when they were playing as a team and all the egos had been harnessed and they were working together as one, they just won games. And it was really inspiring to see a team work like that. So teamwork is very inspiring. But I believe that God is calling us as spiritual leaders to move beyond teamwork and actually move into a place of commitment to spiritual community, to discernment in community. And in a discerning community, we're committed to one another spiritually. We do share a spirit, not only our commitment to following God, but our commitment to the place and the people that we've been called to serve. That spirit of commitment has been given to all of us equally. And we show up in the leadership environment and we take the responsibility together to discern and do the will of God. So that means that each one of us as individual leaders needs to be prepared for that and committed to it. We're practicing our own spiritual discipline so that we're spiritually ready and prepared when we show up. It also means that now, beyond just seeing ourselves as a team gathered around a task, we're now seeing ourselves as a community gathered around the presence of Christ, opening to transformation, wanting to be led by the presence of Jesus Christ. And then from there, we have practices that that are very concrete that we can enter into together so that we can discern and do God's will together. And that is how the burden of leadership gets shared. And, you know, one of the values that we embraced as we came together as the Transforming Center 15 years ago, we embraced this particular commitment that we wanted to discern and do God's will together, that that was going to be a defining characteristic of the group that gathered. And so corporate leadership discernment is something that we've practiced for 15 years. And sometimes we practice it better than others. I mean, in 15 years, you're going to have made mistakes. There are going to be times when you say, whoa, we really kind of missed it (laughs) on that one. We were driven by something else. Um, But I can tell you that the practice of corporate leadership discernment has been a way for me to share the burden of responsibility for leadership here through all these years. I probably would be a puff of smoke if I hadn't been practicing discernment with other leaders all these years. So it seems like the kinds of leaders that you pick to be on the board at the Transforming Center, it really matters. Mm -hmm. What kinds of people are you looking for? 
Well, we're looking for people who have been on a serious spiritual journey and are on a serious spiritual journey. So for us, you know, we have this two-year transforming community experience, and so we don't even consider anyone to be a part of the leadership community unless they've been through that two-year commitment. So it means that they already have personal spiritual disciplines in place. It means that they're already practicing solitude and silence, so they're distinguishing the voice of God from all the other voices. It means that they um, are used to um, developing a friendship with God through prayer and scripture. It means that they practice self-examination, so they're facing their false self stuff and bringing a truer self to the leadership environment. It means that they're personal discerners, so it means that showing up to do leadership discernment is a natural transition for them. We're also seeking to live within rhythms of work and rest so that we bring a rested self to our meetings. So those things are already in place by the time we invite a leader to lead with us at, yeah. the, at the board level. And that means that from the get-go, um, we're sort of in a groove together. Right. There's a two-year training yeah. camp that everybody exactly. has to go and to. And we've already lived in, in, in covenant community together. So that two-year experience has a covenant with it. And so yeah. we've already gotten used to living together in a covenanted relationship. So if you would, please compare and contrast a leadership team that makes decisions mm -hmm. together and a spiritual community that discerns God's will mm -hmm. together. Yeah. Well, one thing is who you have in the room. Yeah. So one of the things I've noticed in many churches and, you know, not-for-profit boards is that even though we gather for a Christian mission, you know, to carry forth some part of God's will on the earth, Still, oftentimes we gather people who have had success in a secular business environment. So, oh, well, he's been a successful Fortune 500 company executive. Let's invite him. He knows all about leadership. And nothing wrong with nothing that, wrong, right? Yeah. That person yeah. might also be an extremely discerning person. But what I hear you yeah. uh, saying is that we often don't even look no, at that No, we just part. look at whatever external success they have, and that seems to qualify them. Or maybe there's someone who we know is a person of means. So if we invite them on the board, maybe they'll give more, yeah. right? Or we might invite someone who has just built a, you know, a successful construction company or something, and we say, well, if they've built that to be something successful, surely they can help us do this or that. Or maybe an attorney who can help make sure that we don't ever get sued, you know? And all of those people have have valuable gifts to bring and as, but as you said the problem is when that's all they bring if they haven't coupled that with a deeper spiritual journey that that makes them open and willing to discern and do the will of God so we're looking for people who obviously have gifts and skills and competencies but even more importantly we're looking for people who are committed to discernment and have the spiritual life to make it possible for them to participate in such a spiritually rigorous process so how does a group move from being a leadership team to a spiritual community who's really discerning together? Mm -hmm. Well, they're big moves. Um, first of all, you'll want to establish true north. And what I mean by that is that you want to establish among the whole group that your commitment is to discern and do the will of God no matter what. And for many groups, that is going to be a pretty significant shift. And you might even have to do some study or some teaching about what discernment is and what leadership looks like in the, in the Old and New Testaments, things like that. Um, and then, you know, from shared understanding about what discernment is and what it looks like in a group, actually establish this as your commitment, affirm it as your conviction that this is the way you are going to lead. And no matter what the question is, if, if it's big enough, you're going to discern it, no matter what you know, new leadership guru is saying this or that, you know, spiritual discernment is still your true north. It's still why you exist. It's why you gather. So the group establishes their basic commitment. And then from there, um, you want to prepare each individual leader, 
as we've talked about, uh, leaders that have their own personal spiritual practices in place who are on an intentional spiritual journey and who are also practicing discernment personally. So that's the preparation of each individual leader at the table. Then the next move will be to prepare the community for discernment. And for some groups, this is going to require a bit of a conversion experience because a group that's come together to be a board or a management team or something like that, they didn't necessarily sign up to be a community. And so you might have to to really talk about what it would look like for your group to be a community that can discern and do the will of God and how might that change the way we meet? How does it change how we prioritize our time? What are the values that would undergird a community that's gathering for that purpose? What are the practices that we could engage in that would enable us to really live out our values? And what are the commitments that we're willing to make to each other as we seek to discern and do the will of God, which is a much more rigorous spiritual process than just making decisions out of our heads, you know, and doing strategic planning. So there's the preparation for the of the community. And then finally, there's the practice of corporate leadership discernment. And there are specific practices that a group can enter into when they want to discern something rather than just make a decision. So what are some of those practices? Well, one of them, which is a really challenging one, is the prayer for indifference. Mm. You know, so at the beginning of a discernment process, experienced discerners will know to begin by praying a prayer of ind- for indifference. And if you wonder, well, where is that in the Bible? Um, I'll tell you. <laughs> um, Jesus prayed the prayer of indifference in Gethsemane where he said, not my will, but, do- but thine be done. And it was a prayer that he struggled and wrestled to actually begin to make. Um, Mary, the mother of Jesus, when she said, here I am, the servant of the Lord, let it be with me according to your will. Those are all prayers where people have come to a place of being indifferent to anything but the will of God. I'm indifferent to matters of personal convenience. I'm indifferent to matters of ego. I'm indifferent to, you know, my own desires and, and things that I had been thinking about, my own dreams. We've become indifferent to anything but the will of God. So people sometimes question that and they say, well, isn't indifferent sort of a ne- negative thing? It's sort of apathy. You don't care. No, it's not. It's I'm very passionate about the will of God. I'm indifferent to anything that's not the will of God. So this is a very challenging place for a group to get to, and it's very different than what most leadership groups think of when they think of entering into discernment. Usually you think of people coming with their strong opinions, and we sort of try to convince each other about the rightness or the wrongness of one and the other. But in this case, experienced discerners will begin right away asking God and praying for the ability to be indifferent to anything but the will of God so that they can pray prayers of indifference like Mary, the mother of Jesus, and Jesus himself prayed in the New Testament. So um, that's a very tender place for groups as well to be able to talk about whether or not they are indifferent. Because we would all of us like everyone to think that we're indifferent to anything but the will of God, right? Right. I mean, I want you to think that about me. But to have to confess sometimes that the truth is I want what I want more than I want the will of God, mm-hmm. that is a very humbling place to be. And in corporate leadership discernment, the group is actually invited and called upon to talk about indifference. How many here are indifferent to anything but the will of God and to let people actually talk about their indifference or not. The prayer of indifference um, prepares us to then enter into a quiet trust that God is going to lead us. We're not clinging and grasping anymore. We're able to be open and receptive. And then from there, we can pray the prayer for wisdom and, and ask God who gives generously for him to give us the wisdom that we need. So that's one place that might be very, very different than what most leadership groups are accustomed to. Another practice that's truly associated with discernment of any kind is the practice of silence. 
So we've now been practicing silence and solitude as individuals, as as people, but in the leadership environment now, we will do some really good listening to each other, listening to the issues and all of that. But now we introduce silence into the mix. And after we've done all of our discussing and our first round of talking and listening, then we withdraw from one another and we go into silence and we go into silence to listen to God and to let our own inner chaos to settle and to notice what's really going on in there and to let God speak to our spirits about what is true. And then we reconvene again and we speak to one another out of the silence. And I can tell you that what groups have to say to one another out of the silence is always different in tone and spirit and content than what people say to each other before the silence. And it doesn't diminish the importance of what people say to each other before the silence, but it's different. It's different in spirit and tone and content. And that's the place where you start to really move together as a group and to see God bring out some sense of how he's leading you forward. So that's not, those are not all the practices, but those are a couple of the most important ones. And we've got a whole podcast season on that. So you can find yes, out do. some of the other stuff. Season there. three. Mm-hmm. Well, I'd like to uh, wrap up the episode by having you share the discernment mm-hmm. process in hiring Rob. We talked yeah. about that in an earlier episode because yeah. I think it's it's mm-hmm. well, it's helpful, but it's also really fun. Yeah. Well, it started with something new that God was stirring up. And, of course, it was that way in Acts 15 as well. When this new thing was happening, Gentiles were starting to speak in tongues. There was evidence that that they too might become a part of the community of faith, but it went against what the Old Testament law had had indicated. And so there was a real discernment there because God was stirring up something new. And I feel like that's actually where it began for us. God was stirring up this new vision. I mean, it came to me in my prayer. It came to me all of a piece. Um, I wasn't looking for it. In fact, I was in solitude and thought I was there to take a nap. And then God unfolds this big vision. So God stirred up something new. And so coming together as a group, we were like, there's something here we need to pay attention to. So we did. And we affirmed that, yes, indeed, God was speaking and God was leading us in this way. But there's this problem, and that is that we have a gap. We just don't have enough organizational leadership for us to go forward in this way. And we had to sit with the tension. Mm. Um, And I will never forget the tension, what it felt like to me in particular to sit there and realize, oh, on the one hand, we have this big vision. And on the other hand, we have this big gap. And all we could do was sit openly as we went into our break and then there was this practice of paying attention alone and together and so god literally showed me who it was but i'm i am even though i am a formation person who listens to god i'm still very very careful yeah um if someone uses this kind of language god showed me who it was typically i'd be going oh whoa wait a minute are you sure so i don't typically you know, just move on into that. But this time it was so strong that I felt I needed to share it with the group. And it it was resonant with the whole rest of the group. Everyone had a shared sense of peace and unity and joy um, as this name was brought forward. But I, we didn't act on it too soon. We waited with it. When Rob walked across the room and said to me a month later, hey, I just feel led by the Lord to say to you, if there's ever any way you want to use my gifts, please ask thinking that he was just saying a special project, not thinking that it was going to change his life. Um, Then we really went into discernment, and we started looking at facts and figures and what it would take for us to really bring someone of his caliber on board. And, um, you know, practically and concretely, what would this look like for us and what kind of ducks would we have to have in a row in order to do this? And then finally, there was a, a, a sense of timing about a right time when he and his wife would be here in Chicago and we could have a face to face meeting. And. At that point, I um, 
shared the vision that God had given to us. And still, he was not in, at all thinking that we were going to ask him for something this significant. He thought there was just going to be a piece of it, like maybe board service or something like that. And so when I actually asked him if he would come and join us in this number two second chair position, he, you know, he, he just literally almost fell off his chair, like couldn't talk. <laughs> um, and at the same time, there was this deep sense among the three of us that, oh, wow, this is probably the right thing. I mean, we all walked out of there having a sense that God is really up to something here. This may this may be what God is doing among us. And it, it was that feeling that Moses had of this is holy ground, take off your shoes, um, where you tremble, tears run down your face, you can't speak because it's beyond, you're feeling a lot of stuff, but you're not able to speak of it. And then we, we took time and um, then began a formal interviewing process where the question was, would you be willing to enter into a discernment process with us about this? So so we had done some discernment, but now we're saying to him, would you start dis discerning this and your response to this? And then we really did. So it had some of the traditional interviewing in it. Um, we, you know, it's resumes yep. and job descriptions and um, references. And this is one of the parts that's the sweetest to me. Um, Rob had a very open process with the senior pastor of the church where he had been serving for 15 years and where he was a highly valued leader and dearly loved. And so was his wife, Kelly. And um, he committed an, that he would discern it with his senior pastor, not just say, hey, I'm leaving, but say, this opportunity has come to me. Could we talk about it? Could we be in this together? And that's that was the way I wanted it to be, too, because we really care. We have lots of people from their church c coming through our communities, and I really care about that church. And I wouldn't want us to make a step that would in any way derail what was happening there. Um, and so after Rob had his initial conversations at the very right moment, I was able to talk to Ben Kacharis, who is the senior pastor there, and we were able to discern together. And I asked him, how does this feel to you? Um, how does this hit in terms of timing at, at Mountain Christian? And and he was, as much as he would have, was sad to lose Rob as a friend and as a colleague, from an objective point of view, he was able to, sh to list and to show ways in which this is really the right time. Even though it would be sad, we actually can handle this this time. We have other leaders who can step up. Uh, Rob's done such a good job of preparing other leaders that there are people who are prepared for this. Um, he was able to list several different ways in which this was, if this were going to happen, it was really the right time for them as well. And so it, it was it was an interesting thing to be in that place of discernment with him rather than combative, combative or we're stealing someone yeah. from you. Um, and I, oh, both of us will say, both Ben and I will say that part of the joy of this process is to be able to say we discerned it together. This, your organization didn't come in and steal away somebody from our church and in that way weaken us. Um, because there's so much love and regard between us and them, we would never have done it that way. So to be able to say to you today to affirm the fact that, that such a significant discernment process happened not only here in the Transforming Center, but between us and another community for the good of the whole kingdom is something that really pleases me and lets me know that God was in this because that feeling of unity and rightness and peace and joy was true there as well, even though there is the natural sadness of losing someone that they love so much. Um, and so then um, 
all we just kept taking every next step that was clear and then regrouping how does that feel how did that go are we still in it are you still are we willing to take the next step and then you know finally there was a sense among us all um and with rob and kelly that yes this is our next step in ministry and we had had a sense that god had led us to this moment um that's just a remarkable story, and I don't know that I've ever heard mm-hmm. of mutual discernment mm-hmm. between the pastor or the yeah. leader of the of the leaving mm-hmm. employee. Right. Uh, and it takes a really mature person to do that. And so much trust. It, it takes so much trust in the people involved and also in the God that we all are opening up to and serve. That if God is doing this over here in us, maybe he's done something over there to make them ready for it. And let's see. And let's not be afraid because, you know, back to the story that we shared, it would have been easy to go to a place of saying, hey, I'm afraid that if I bring his senior pastor into this, he's going to resist and this whole thing is going to fall apart. Yeah. I don't want to open up to that. I don't want to go to that place where I'm not in control of this process. Yeah. Um, because what happens if they really dig their heels in yeah. and they think that we're doing the wrong thing? What will I do then? Um but there, it was a place of real trust in God and God in us and between us and among us. And, um, and yes, indeed, God was there in between and among us all. It's really holy. Mm-hmm. From isolation to discernment in, in community. community. That's right. It brings hope. Mm-hmm. It brings hope that God is moving in, yeah. in the body of Christ. And we really are all one body. Mm-hmm. And if we pay attention to what the Spirit is doing, Mm-hmm. Things like that yeah. could happen. Yeah, and and it's when it does happen, you're just so excited, and you're so excited that you did it that way because you got to be on the ringside seat of yep. something incredible that you might not have gotten to see if you had just done it in your own human way. Mm. Well, that's beautiful. Um, please, if you would, lead us in a prayer to end this episode. Mm. Well, this prayer, I think, invites God to meet us in our loneliness and gives us an opportunity to trust God with ourselves in a really intimate way. Hear me quickly, Lord, for my mind soon wanders to other things I am more familiar with and more concerned about than I am with you. Words will not do, Lord. Listen to my tears, for I have lost much and I fear more. Listen to my sweat, for I wake at night overwhelmed by darkness and strange dreams. Listen to my sighs, for my longings surge like the sea, urgent, mysterious, and beckoning. Listen to my growling gut, for I am hungry for bread and intimacy. Listen to my curses, for I am angry at the way the world comes down on me sometimes and I sometimes on it. Listen to my crackling knuckles, for I hold very tightly to myself and anxiously squeeze myself into others' expectations and then into mine, and then I shake my fist at you for disappointing me. Listen to my footfalls, for I stumble to bring good tidings to someone. Listen to my groans, for I ache towards healing. Listen to my worried weariness, for my work matters so much to me and it needs help. Listen to my tension, for I ache toward accepting who I am and who I cannot be. Listen to my hunched back, for sometimes I can't bear the needs and demands of the world anymore, and I want to put it down and give it back to you. 
Listen to my laughter, for there are friends, and mercy, and something surges inside me to thank. Listen to my humming, for sometimes I catch all unaware the rhythms of creation, and then music without words rises in me to meet it, and there is the joy of romping children and dancing angels. Listen to my blinking eyes, for at certain moments, when sunlight strikes just right, or stars pierce the darkness just enough, or clouds roll around just so, or snow kisses the world into quietness and everything is suddenly transparent, and something in me is pure enough for an instant to see your kingdom in a glance and to praise you in a gasp, quick, then gone, but it is enough. Listen to me quickly, Lord. Hey everyone, thanks so much for listening and being a part of our conversation today. As part of the launch of the expanded edition of Strengthening the Soul of Your Leadership, we're offering some special bonuses when you purchase the book. So if you'd like to take advantage of that, just visit us at transformingcenter.org for details. If you've enjoyed this podcast, we would love to know. Please leave us a comment wherever you listen to the podcast and subscribe so that you will automatically receive upcoming episodes.